I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm Tyler Schmidt. I'm Lou Janu. And this is Car Talk, a podcast about trading cards. We're here to teach you everything you need to know about flipping cards. Whether it's the next breakout rookie, a new Magic the Gathering release on the way, or Pokemon's 25th anniversary, we'll break it all down. So sit back and listen up. Those cards collecting dust in your closet could make you some real cash. Welcome to Card Talk. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Card Talk. I'm Ryan, joined as always by Tyler and Lou. And on today's episode, we're going to get into a whole bunch of different topics. But first and foremost, we're going to start with a PSA sale and what that means for the hobby. So Tyler, Lou, any initial thoughts following the announcement this morning that PSA was being sold for $700 million? Um, Exciting day. Fun day for sure. I think it's interesting that Nat was at the... Uh, forefront of that it's kind of like the, i would say the face of the of the purchase right behind that was steve cohen i didn't know that steve cohen's uh group was one of the big investors as well so that's interesting um i think it's like really early to say like what it functionally means like i can't imagine there's gonna be too many big changes right they're gonna continue to operate their business and grow and that's what they've been doing and that's not gonna stop so um from a functional standpoint i think it's too early to say but it's definitely pretty cool that nat's you know involved in that uh, I I think overall, what we've seen definitely since uh, March, start of kind of pandemic quarantine, if you want to call it that, but even going back further, just the overall awareness and action happening around sports cards and collectibles in general. I mean, in the art world, it's always been happening. But I think this proliferation of the alternative investment happening at every level is clearly obvious and clearly here to stay. I mean, you know, Cohen just finalized the Mets, right? And in his kind of opening press conference, came across as a very forward-thinking, progressive cat like entrepreneur and like he was like i bought this and i want to win and i'm going to invest and then i'm like tangentially i'm like oh this is another move he sees it's happening he's in like the hobby and he thinks he can probably come in you know nat's a face of it nat's a in you know the a weeds guy that's in the mix and can really speak to it and then you've got a guy with capital and resources to progress things my hope is that what Nat is able to do, and I speak about him like I know who he is, but I don't, um, is approach it a bit from a perspective of someone in the hobby that might submit to PSA or what have you. You know, he can't, there's no, a lot of the questions is if it's not a public company, is there more risk? I mean, is he going to run the risk of discrediting his millions and millions and millions of dollars in investment by tarnishing any form of PSA? No, I don't believe so. What I hope and that he might do is, understand and approach things r.i.p to tony shea zappos guy but like he the whole thing was like the customer the customer the customer what i think psa sgc these companies that have become so inundated with demand have forgot that to take care or treat or communicate to the consumers themselves which are the lifeblood of the business and i hope and think he might take some sort of approach i could see some innovative approaches to maybe timelines you know, one thing I think about, I was reading Twitter, someone had an interesting take the other day of like where grading's gone completely bonkers maybe is some of the things that are sent in and graded and the way that that might 
um, you know, tie up timelines for, for other things. But then again, like who's to say, you know, what should be graded and not. So I just think that approach that, that the combo of Cohen resources, progressive, you know, entrepreneur that can really drive a business and Nat, who I'm not saying can't do that because he's also a very, you know, wealthy and successful individual. But I think if he takes a bit of approach of, Hey, now that I'm in control of this, you know, business, but I've seen it from the consumer side, can I get back to making this more of a, a bit of a, um, relationship with our, our customers? Because I feel like some of that has gotten lost just in the complete inundation of their business and the demand and them trying to figure out how, how do we sustain this? How do we make sure it stays pristine? Meaning the, the, you know, that it's not watered down for what a PSA 10 might mean. So that's kind of my takes. I'm, I'm excited. I think you'll start to see some progress, progressive nature. And we've talked on here ad nauseum in terms of like AI grading. Again, that might be someone that's been in those conversations and looking to bring it to that forefront there. So it's exciting in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely saw some of that getting circulated on social media about does this speed up, um, you know, the AI grading and uh, move to uh, basically removing the human aspect of, of grading, right? And just letting uh, uh, basically a robot grade it. So, um, yeah, I don't, and maybe there's another level. Maybe there's different cohorts of like human graded and then they do AI. They introduce it side by side. It becomes like a different standard that you can play against because that's possible too. Yeah, and as someone, uh, I don't like you said, I, I don't know Nat either. Um, but as someone that follows him and, and his his content on Instagram, he seems like a super intelligent guy who I would feel I feel pretty confident in that's gonna uh, do some big things at PSA. So yeah, I, I, I think it's a uh, like Lou said, it's early, so it's really hard to to get too much feedback on it, right? I'm not. Um, I don't really know is any any crazy details on this yet, or, or what's gonna what's gonna come from. You're not it, going on. You don't have an interview on CNBC mm-hmm. Mad Money to talk about the investment. Nah, nah, not this week. Oh, interesting. Uh, so it. yeah, it, it seems early, but definitely, uh, definitely sparks some yeah, chatter. I just think in it's, it's fun to see. Like we're not, you know, we're not sitting here talking about, um, you know, a seventy-two dollar purchase off eBay <laughs> of a. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic raw sticker. We're talking about like a massive acquisition of a publicly traded company that is a like the driving force behind the hobby right now. So I think that's cool. Yeah, and we actually talked about this in shop the other day. Besides Panini, is PSA the second biggest card, the second biggest company in the hobby? Uh, you know, I think you could. I I might say tops yeah. because from a brand recognition standpoint, like without the cards, PSA isn't a factor. Tops is bigger than PSA. Um, okay. Yeah, but then I sit here and say, again, like, importance is different. Three though. cards graded. Yeah, so uh, it depends. I think on the factor of how you approach it and think about it. Um, but yeah, interesting nonetheless. Um, how Black Friday go at the shop? Black Friday was good. Black Friday was busy. It was a long day and, you know, lot, lots happening for sure. We were up breaking pretty late. So, yeah, it was a lot of lot of uh, familiar faces and then some uh, some new people coming in that had, had, you know, just heard about us. So, yeah, it was a great nice. day and a, definitely a sign of good things in the hobby for sure. What was the most 
kind of asked about or sought after product? Well, probably football hobby boxes. Um, you know, basketball, we've, we've said this on the show multiple times. Basketball is hot. Basketball runs the hobby for sure. But basketball is so expensive, right? Basketball, 1920 wax is a lot in 19 or 2020 football is more obtainable. So 19 or 2020 football is definitely a, a, a top seller at the moment. It's one of the things we were going to get into and wanted to talk about here. Um, there's a lot going on with the NFL. I mean, just before we started recording, they like rescheduled for the fourth time the, the Raven Steelers game, which has been, you know, all the rage and conversation. Um, Prism obviously is about to come out. The early stuff starting to hit eBay. A lot, a lot has transpired. We talked about Drew Locke. I mean, the Broncos started a quarterback this week that on LinkedIn was like asking for medical sales jobs. Yeah, he was literally two days selling ago. medical equipment like seven days ago. Yeah. It's, really? It, it, yeah, it's, it's wild. crazy. Yeah. yeah it's Holy crazy. Um, but uh, one, some of the lessons that, that we, we've picked up over the past NFL season from a hobby and, and, and cards perspective that, that come to mind, we were going to jam on that a little bit. And we'd just love to hear from you guys is, you know, Again, it's crazy that three weeks from now, the start of NBA is back. But we've had a lot of different conversations from early in the season, thinking position players would be big. Um, you know, obviously the Tannehill banter that we've had. So just some of the things that, that we've learned or picked up on um, as this NFL season progressed. Lou, kick it off to you. Yeah. Can you pull up those screenshots that we were talking about before? I think the number one thing that everyone learned was – uh, reaction or I hope everyone learned was reactionary buying when things come out right like people were it was the combination right what happened with I think one of the things that happened with football which was good was everything kind of like settled down a little bit I think we were at like a major fever pitch as basketball was happening in the bubble and football was getting ready to start or people were just like they needed everything at every moment and I was the same way Um, so when Mosaic came out uh nfl mosaic we talked about how that was going to be a big deal because they put that out first we had differing thoughts on the, the the staying power of that product um and then i think one of the things was like <laughs> the chiefs game happened clyde edwards hilaire popped off in that first game and we're gonna pull up the screenshots here but his his silver uh nfl debut was selling for 200 dollars um on ebay and that card is now now like four dollars. Let me get the exact screenshots here, but it was it was an insane to think about in hindsight. So here we go. Here's an example. It was two hundred and two dollars on September sixteenth for a silver prism refractor, a silver refractor uh, mosaic on September sixteenth. On November 29th, that card sold for thirteen dollars. The same exact card. Exact card. Same exact card. They think that was a product of how hyped up everyone was for Mosaic, for the NFL, for cards in general. And I think that's a very important lesson to think about for a multitude of reasons, right? Like number one, running backs, probably not the best investment in hindsight. Number two, Mosaic, probably not the best investment in hindsight. Number three, the product had come out like four days earlier and people were just fired up and wanted to buy everything. Yeah. Supply and demand. People are so big on that early on, but like, if you wait a week to acquire the same card or you wait two weeks to acquire the same card, assuming it's not the one of one or out of five, you may not get later. There's 
there's a, there's a lot of mosaic, right? There's going to be plenty to go around. So yeah, that's a for great take out of the Lou. And we, we talked about this before uh, on Donruss Lou, right? Where Clyde Edwards Alaire was $43. He had one good game. His only rookie card in a Chiefs uniform was a Donruss rookie. He has a great game. It's $43. And we talked about this where we said Barkley's $3, McCaffrey's $3. Clyde Edwards Lawyer's $43. That doesn't add up. I'm willing up. to wager. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't add up. I'm willing to wager a year from now. That's not the same thing. Um, Ty, what's your, what, what's your lesson learned so far? I think I think my takeaway around is just how, honestly, I think how different the NFL is from the NBA. And you can't apply similar principles to it. Um, yeah, meaning just obviously injuries happen in both sports. Uh, but for one, you know, position players, whether you call it a running back, you know, Sa- Saquon Barkley, maybe uh, Saquon Barkley and Zion, right? Take those two kind of almost for example. Like the NFL is such a win now league, or we have to try something else, I feel like. And, between TV and at all costs, like the the money, the NBA is huge. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, it even more, it's harder to prospect in NBA in in NFL because it's quarterback. I think prospecting as position players can be tough. I mean, DK Metcalf, one of the hottest, it's coming out right now. Like even his market for cards is not as crazy as say. John Zion. What 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 what? Uh, DK Metcalf stuff is through the roof, through the uh, roof. I mean, I sold like patch autos from like Select for three hundred dollars. That's a lot for a wide receiver. I mean, you buy Calvin Johnson rookie patch autos for less than three hundred dollars. Great point. Like, I I just think that a lot of those guys can come and go more. 100%. I think you're going to see a lot more like. I mean, DK Metcalf, for all that he is, there's sometimes flash in the pans and, and the relevancy of guys can come and go quickly. Uh, Burrow might not play for another 18 months. What does that mean? Like, Herbert's hot now. You know, Sam was a huge prospect. Now he's about to be on his second team. I just worry that the people try and take the same principles and apply them, and that turns into paying 200 bucks because you think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is about to be the next biggest thing in the world and then realize that he's just another piece. And if the thing about basketball is basketball plays three games a week, four games a week, you see Clyde Edwards Hilaire 16, what is it, 16 games, 18 games? Like you play yeah. once a week, one time and, a week. And? Kind of looks like most other people out. Like he has a helmet on, you know. Yeah, Mark there's ability. eleven people. There's eleven people on your team. Twenty two on the field, not ten. So like I, that the number one thing I've learned is they're vastly different in the marketability of players, how players' careers develop, how they uh, play out, and you need to approach it that way. You can't apply the same principles. Is what I would say. Yep. Yeah, there were there were two things that really stood out to me when I was reviewing this. Um, plays off both of your guys's, but the first one to me is uh, no matter what we said in the off season, uh, talking about skill positions or anything else, 
quarterbacks still run the card market for, for football. For sure, 100%. Um, great take out of Lou last week, and I've been thinking about it a lot after I watched him this week because I think it's so true. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you, Mahomes gets the LeBron treatment now. Mm-hmm. What he does is not normal, and he's about as consistent as it gets. And every single week, he's just incredible. I mean, him and Tyreek for, what, 200 yards, two touchdowns in the first quarter? I mean, Mahomes is just out of this world. So to me, it's still quarterbacks run the market. I mean, Metcalf's good. Claypool, right? If you bought in him cheap, he looks decent, right? Like Justin Jefferson, there there are wide receivers that are good. Running backs are good and Mm -hmm. and have potential to be great. Quarterbacks are still what people want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for even on the Claypool thing, like, you might correct me. You don't, you're not hearing much about Juju. It's quiet for Juju. Quiet. It's quiet for Juju. And he was like huge. I just, it, it's hard as a position player in the, that league to carry sustained juice. I agree. And I and think it's getting harder and harder. That's why some of these guys are underappreciated. Yeah. The DeAndre yeah, there's Hopkins, more chatter the about Julio the one. Jones. Yeah. Like those guys are doing it year in and year out. Mm-hmm. But the other mm-hmm. thing I took uh, I took out of this um, and I wrote down was, especially in football, I mean, this goes in cards in general, but uh if you're buying these guys in an investment, again, it's different if this is a collecting for you, but uh, if it's investing, the lack of control that you have in a player's outcome is just out of this world. And the same thing with like how – I honestly think how much uh, uh, lack of control the player has, right? So like injuries, a bad coach, a terrible offensive line. Like I look at the season in a whole and I'm thinking – Joe Burrow's offensive line was absolutely atrocious. Like, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold has a terrible coach. Look what Ryan mm-hmm. Tannehill had in Miami versus Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. So I think Darnold at some point will do something. Uh, Adam Gase, right? Um, like, just, I, I think there's a lot of outside of your control on that. And I think that's definitely the risk factor in in uh, in, in cards and in investing, especially with football, is you know, Joe Burrow looked awesome. He looked really good there. He has all the potential in the world. Can't do anything if you can't protect him. And, you know, if the team stinks or other things like that. So um, the lack of control. And I think that, again, like that, those aren't the things I was thinking about when I started getting into uh, football card stuff. Whereas the NBA is like, yo, if this dude is a primetime Trey Young, right? Like, Great players in the NBA can be great on bad teams. They can jump off the screen yep. and make people like build around them. You can put a great wide receiver. You know, you take DeAndre Hopkins and put him on a bottom of the barrel team. Like it's only going to help so much. Yep, it matters who's throwing you the ball. I would. I would also say on the other side of that coin, I think you might be able to start applying that to basketball heading into the season. I don't I don't think we should expect the same insanity with basketball that we saw with the bubble. I just don't think that's realistic to expect. And this in the same way you said to yourself, "Oh wait, like wide receivers aren't that popping." The the rookie or second year dude who's the seventh guy off the bench, it might not be the hottest option. In, in centers Tyler still Hero? might not. I'm talking about someone like a Tyler Hero 100%. A thousand in centers actually. might not 
centers yeah. might not still be super popular. Yeah, like Aiton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that before with Buster, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh man, DeAndre Aiton good. Like centers historically don't sell. So I'm not saying yeah. they can, it's just typically- yeah. And you know, you know what I think this is getting at is from a long-term buy and hold approach, which I think is 70% of the people that are likely engaging newer and or our audience. Again, before we started recording, I said one of the hardest things to do when I talked about investors uh, um, is uh, we talked about beginners, but like is the sale. I think a lot of what we're talking about can can not apply to people that are day in and day out buying and selling and can transact on quicker, smaller windows. But I think if you're thinking about like buy a card at the beginning of the season and sell it at the end, like that is where you can get caught on some of these things we're talking about. I agree. Yeah. Eight in hype. If you, if you knew the Chris Paul thing was happening or like you buy and sell in quick windows or he has a, you know, a good first week and you're willing to sell great. There's a, probably a lot of people that made good money on Clyde's Edwards Hilaire. If they were in the buying and selling business. Mm-hmm. Not if they're buying Clyde because they think he might be a Hall of Famer. Which is, like you were saying, which is what I think the vast majority of people are doing, whether they're honest with themselves about that or not. Yeah. Because it's much easier to purchase than Mm -hmm. it is to sell. It's only one decision versus two. Perfect. Set it up perfect. Much easier to purchase than sell. And this is where I think we talked about this with basketball, and I think this is a little nugget we should sneak in here, that if you're paying attention to the NFL and you're invested in the NFL – and you bought things to sell at the end of the season, pay attention. The, the end of the season is coming quicker than you might expect, right? We're seven, what, six weeks away, seven weeks away from an, a guy that's not going to be in the postseason sitting on the couch watching the postseason with you and I, right? So if you're like, hey, I'm all in on this guy. He's going to be great. Well, you're seven weeks away from his prices being down until the start of next season. Are you willing to hold those until next season comes, or is now the time to move them? Not saying there's a right or wrong answer, but just something to keep in mind that the season end is coming. If you're preparing to sell, now might be the time to start having those conversations with yourself about what's your plan for the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Just quick wrapping up NFL. I think something we talked about last week, and we'll talk about it as we get as the product releases and we'll well i'm sure we'll have more thoughts on it but just early takeaways from ebay i just wanted to point out real quick like me and tyler were looking yesterday we looked again last uh just now before we started but burrow prisms are doing like around 140 ish herbert's doing around 300 ish jalen hurts is doing 100 something oh my so yeah so again and now take that how you will right like are you in the business of moving buying something right now and sitting on it probably wouldn't recommend spending three hundred dollars on a on a Justin Herbert raw right now. Just wouldn't do it. Like that seems again, let's just real quick. Two weeks from now, we're recording an episode. Prism's been out for a week and a half at that point. What 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 in your mind, Lou, what where are Justin Herbert Prism base gonna be? One eighty. That seems high to me. In two weeks, nah. There's still there's always a little You think it'll be that little, high? Yeah, it's a, it's a, 45% drop off in two weeks. That'll, that's pretty dramatic. Uh, see, I would have said $60. I, I think it stays higher than you think, yeah. Rye, until graded stuff starts coming back. Because and then, then and we're four, that's where, we're four, the, that's five where it'll away break. That's best from that right now. When, when, when people don't want to pay the typical multiple, 
you know, and, and there's volume, I think that's when it breaks. Yeah, I think the time to buy these cards. That's what happened with Mbappe. That's what happened with Mbappe. In the time to way. buy these cards yeah. is going to be February, March, April. That's time to buy these cards. Start of the off season. I wanted to switching gears here a little bit. Uh, I came across this Twitter thread that I thought would be fun to highlight, um, and I can actually just bring it up on. Uh, I can share my screen real quick. Bowman nineteen. Great Twitter account. Highly Ab- recommend. Just as a separate thing. Love it. Uh, fun stat of the day. PSA is approaching half a million of all NBA cards graded for this past year's products. Now at 462,000. For those wondering, 54% of all cards submitted have gems. <laughs> One of the toughest sets have been Haynes Michael Jordan cards at just 23% gem rate. Is that a set that came out this past year? It was in Haynes underwear. You could get like, there was like a one in a, there was like five Jordan autographs. And you you haven't seen these things on Facebook with like dudes with like 40 boxes or 40 bags of, of Haynes? like Haynes briefs. Yeah, it's, that's crazy. Fire. That's fire. <laughs> uh, not many out there, 40, but the Chronicles Flux Autos gem at almost 80%. They're one of the easiest I've found. There are almost 23,000 NBA hoops cards from 1920 graded, and 76.5% are John Zion. Someone is going to have a nice six-figure payday that gets the first Gem 10 white sparkle of either Zion or Ja. The real meat obviously comes from the Prism set, where 40% of all NBA cards graded originate from in the 19. 19- 20 year zion is gemming at 54 percent with twenty five thousand cards submitted jot 56 percent with twenty thousand graded 10 percent of all this past year's basketball cards psa graded are jaw zion prism wow that's out that's a lot so something he's talking they're talking about here is gem rate I, we haven't done a super deep dive on that but I, we've mentioned it casually gem rate is something that if you're grading and you're a grader and it's something you pay attention to you can make some real margins if you know what you're doing um like i know the the example that always comes to mind and i talked about this before as well but like lamar jackson prisms are like incredibly difficult to gem so people mm-hmm. submit those and if you get back a 10 on a lamar prism 2018 it's like a huge deal because it makes no sense so like the gem rate is something if you if you're like this person and look into these things is you can learn a lot about the marketplace and where opportunities lie if you if you do the research there i just got back a 500 card submission and had 67.2 percent gem so sheesh just to give somebody an idea of like yeah, so what it looks right like. for for your con- like to give the audience context, what's a what does that generally what does the gem rate typically look like for you on a submission of call it call it a hundred percent a hundred cards sixty five to seventy five sixty five sixty five tens yeah fifty yeah sixty five is probably average seventy five is good fifty five and you bad. also know what you're doing so you got you have a probably a higher yeah, hit rate than most sure. people there's a lot more review and more time and prep put into you know when when I sub cards but um yeah it's just sixty five is 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 ideal i think that's you're telling me if I submit ten cards and Six of them are tens. That's pretty six, good. Six of them are ten, or seven of them are tens. On depending, yeah. on a certain and day, I, I would take those odds all day. And I think as 
the grading process and people and that gets more commoditized and people get better at that whole process um that i think that'll be a w for everyone and what does that mean exactly like should it really be a 65 percent gem rate i don't know but I, I guess just something to think about and then when you start to see cards that are 30 25 even 40 percent gem rate you're like all right cool this i gotta give give this one an extra look because i don't know what i'm gonna i don't know how what good my odds are of gemming this card before I submit it. And I think something to point out there in, in that thread with uh, the Bowman page Tyler just pulled up is he mentioned, like, I think that's, those are great statistics where I think oftentimes it's under look like how many of these cards are really tens? Like he said, no Zion or Jaws from White Sparkle had gotten tens from Prism and there wasn't a nine for Zion. Like I think mm-hmm. some of like, not Zion or Jaw per se, but I think there are sets and uh, specifics that are, um, like underappreciated in the hobby. And I think, you know, for the longest time it was select court sides. Yeah. Right? Like those were nothing. I mm-hmm. remember buying, you know, Luca court side PSA 10 base for like 200 bucks and a silver now is what, 18 grand? Like eventually the pop that pop control or the population report that will uh Yeah. That that's gonna play a factor, I think, down down the road. So yeah. Super great statistics. I'm definitely gonna follow that page. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's episode with the latest launches or upcoming releases for this week. It's definitely a big release week, obviously headlined by Prism Football. That's going to come out Friday. Prism No Huddle Football um, actually came out today. Where It's Monday when we're recording this, so that came out today. Rookies and Stars Football released today. And then you've got later in the week, you'll have Upper Deck Chronology Hockey, Tops Garbage Pale Kids Chrome, Prism Draft Picks Collegiate Baseball, uh, Tops Allen and Gator Chrome Baseball and Panini Flawless Baseball. So a lot of baseball this week and a couple different football products followed by uh, a hockey product as well. Interesting. Speaking of baseball, I was telling you guys before, I had a lot of action on my Juan Soto Tops. I had I had some up, extra Tops update uh, Sotos. I saw a bunch of action on them this weekend, so I don't know why that happened. Um, but baseball is still cool, no matter what you guys say. That's it. Do you think it makes, like, Ty Lu, like, thoughts on baseball releasing when baseball's not even completely relevant at all? Does that hurt a product value? No, because they still put out, they're putting out basketball products right now. It's the same thing. It's just baseball's not as popular, so you're just saying that. Don't hate on baseball. (laughs) I'm just curious. I think, I, I, I don't think Lou's wrong. Um... I think the people that are going to buy baseball are going to buy baseball. Uh, do you do much? Like, is there interest on the breaker side of things for any of this baseball stuff? A lot. I mean, new product breaks pretty much regardless, right? I mean, there's enough people in the hobby now. Yeah. That- so that, like, the crossover between that and then people that care about baseball, I don't think. I think it's more weird that Prism football is coming out. Right now, but then again, like we're in a weird year, and I say that meaning players are reporting to NBA camp like this week. Yeah, and what you know, so like that's like you know what's crazy is no December fourth last year or yeah December third last year was a Friday. I was in uh, Boston for the Patriots Chiefs game that weekend, and that was the day Prism basketball came out. Here we are a year later. That's crazy. And we won't we won't have flawless basketball 1920 for Zion a year after Prism came out. 
It's interesting. And again, it's not Panini's fault. It's obviously COVID. It just tells you like mm-hmm. how crazy this year has been with a whole year later, we're still getting products. Now, a lot of these products would have come out during the summer when COVID, um, but you mm-hmm. know, obviously COVID threw things for a loop, but mm-hmm. kind of been a, a crazy year for sure, considering we're, you know, three days away from a year ago, a prison basketball came out. Yeah, for sure. Prism Retail on release day, one thirty-five a box. Prism Retail, thousand dollars a box. I might have to run to Target and see what's going on. Cause I want to rip it. I, re- I really want to rip Prism Football. Like I'm, I just can't. I ripped a Blaster, it. a Cello, and uh, a Hanger box. Want a bag? I ripped some Premier League Prism this weekend, and it a was dud? amazing to say the least. Was it a big dud? There wasn't much. It was a fairly yeah, sizable dud. It was a it, yeah, it was an L kind of right in my mouth, but I had a fucking blast. Yeah, opening cards is really fun. And and when I bought that case, so I bought an entire case of it. I think I bought it for like twelve hundred or thirteen hundred, right around there. They do six fifty a mm-hmm. box now, so that's cool. I remember buying English Premier League first off the line mm-hmm. for nothing because nobody wanted soccer cards. Yep. Still got three of those boxes left. You want to sell one to me? Maybe one of these days. <laughs> ah. It'll be a Christmas present. There we that go. Card Love talk it. Discount. All right, that's all we got for now, guys. That's a wrap on Card Talk this week. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen and get notified when we publish a new episode. It'd mean the world to us if you gave us a five-star rating and shared this episode with a friend. We'd love to answer your questions, so email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com and we'll get to it in the next episode card talk is a 1 p.m podcast and a gallery media group original production